0: Welcome to the Sign Out Podcast. Here we interview individuals who are pursuing their passion and who want to share that story. If I can
1: somehow work in an adventure, you know, I'll do it. People really have the same fears. The fears may take on a different look depending on where you go, but people live with the same fears. And I love the memories I have. I mean, they're great, but I'm more excited about the dreams of the things that are still out there.
0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Sign Out Podcast. Um, I'm really excited for today's guest. When we think about pursuing our passion Um, today, we have Pastor Omar Garcia, who is the missions pastor here at Kingsland Baptist Church, a church I attend here in Katy, Texas. But when I was thinking about folks who pursue their passion, both in their work and in their life of adventure, um, I thought Omar would be the excellent guest today, um, who has definitely seen a lot in his life and. And truly and actually been all around the world. Omar, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's great, great to be with you. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I've heard Omar. Um, I've got to hear him speak um, at different events, whether he's been preaching on Sunday or talking to men's events um, or actually being in a Sunday school classroom where uh, I've heard him teach as well. So I've got to hear a lot of great stories. And I just thought, man, there's a he has a lot of things, um, a lot of cool stories that I wanted folks to hear. Um, but first, Omar, I just wanted to You've been at Kingsland since 2005, um, but uh, just give us a little bit of background on um, how you got uh, into the position you are today and how you grew up and kind of where this first this passion for adventure started.
1: Yeah. Well, I was born in South Texas, a little town called Mission, just a few miles north of the Rio Grande. Uh, and I, I kind of, you know, think it's interesting, you know, that God had a sense of humor. I grew up in it. Uh, born in a town called Mission, I lived on a street called Holland, and then moved to a street called Globe. Uh, and you know, here I am doing doing missions ministry. Uh, but Mission was a magical place. It was it was like Mayberry. It was a place where I could wander all over town. Uh, everybody knew my grandparents and my parents, and so you know, uh, there was really not any danger. Right. But man, I had some great adventures as a kid. Uh, I love just uh everything about small town living and uh, the freedom that I had to wander and
0: explore uh, so it was a really cool place to grow up i think i did I see a picture of you and the Boy Scouts on your blog
1: yeah i uh, uh I got into Boy Scouts a little bit late, but absolutely loved it and uh, uh i loved I loved camping out hiking uh uh, backpacking, uh, we uh, we took road trips, you know, out to uh, West Texas. I saw uh, Judge Roy Bean's place uh, in Langtree and fell in love with uh, just the the culture of West Texas. All those great iconic cowboy stories and stuff like that. So yeah, it was fun. Boy Scouts was a blast,
0: right? I think that definitely gave you a foundation for. Wanted to be outside and oh, yeah. just growing up that way. I, I grew up in Katy at a time when it was very small compared to what it was today. And I grew up what would be considered the edge of town. And I had that this vast field behind me that I could just go play in and do whatever we wanted out there. And just had that ultimate freedom, which um, I even wish my kids had today yeah. just so they could explore like that. Um, so in your role today, when I, when I think about pursuing passion, um, even as a missions pastor, th- you have a life of adventure as a missions pastor. But but tell me about um, what that role is today, and 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 what you do, and and how that's really fed your passion for adventure, and how you get to do that in your work.
1: Yeah, I uh, I grew up in a family of travelers, so when I was a kid, my favorite. My favorite time was when a family member came home from a trip and we would set up the slide projector and I would see these images of people in Mongolia or India or some South Pacific island or something. And it just piqued my interest in the nations and what, what life is like in other places and for other people. Uh, little did I, you know, know at the time that uh, God would use that... Uh, uh, to lead me down a path that would take me to the nations. And uh, I love going to difficult places, to hard places, to places where people have very little access to the gospel, uh, where you're going to take three flights and then, you know, maybe be in a Jeep for 12 hours and uh, and and then maybe, you know, do something else to get to where you're going. Uh, and uh, it, it has been an amazing, amazing experience. It's taken me to 46 countries and uh, exposed me to some amazing people all around the world. And uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about people I've met and what they're going through and, and uh, how I can help them and move in their direction. Uh, uh, it's, it's been, it's, I, I've been blessed beyond measure to do what I do. Uh, not only is there an adventure in going you know uh i think of the apostle paul who had some great kingdom adventures and in, in 2 corinthians 11 where he, he was defending his apostleship you know he 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 lists some of the stuff that he went through. You know, uh, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers among false brethren. Uh, and, and Paul just goes on and on and describes. All of these adventures that he had while he was serving the kingdom and uh uh it just it just reminds me that that you know one of the greatest adventures we can have is just to simply be faithful and you know and and serve god and i've certainly had you know uh, i' have been beaten with rods or stuff like that you know i've been I've been run out of villages i've been physically assaulted uh, i've been robbed uh uh you know as i've traveled around the world and into some of these places going down remote rivers and and things like that so uh so there's been certainly that element of it but uh you know i've had opportunities you know while i'm in certain places and and realize you know i can i can work in a a day for adventuring and so whether it's biking through the jungles uh, of Cambodia and, you know, places like Siem Reap and Angkor Wat or, uh, or, you know, biking the Congo Nile Trail or just, you know, things like that, if you know, fishing in the Amazon. If I can work in,
0: if I can somehow yeah, work in an adventure, you know, well, I'll do it. When you're out, you know, to kind of take a little turn here, you've met so many different people groups, but what do you find – that is the same amongst all these people groups that really ties us together and really shows how much closer we are as humans and as children of God?
1: You know, that's a great question. And uh, I find that no matter where I go uh, and who I'm with, everyone has the same longing. Number one, they wanna find meaning and purpose in life. Uh, Number two, they, uh, they want the best for their families. And uh, I find uh, parents that, that are working hard, whether it's in a subsistence living culture or whatever, they're doing the very best that they can provide, uh, do to provide for their families, and, and they want their families to succeed. And, uh, uh, and then people really have the same fears. Uh, you know, they're, they're, the, the fears may take on a different... Uh, a different look, depending on where you go, but people live with the same fears, and 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 when you have fears, you want to find something that will mitigate uh, the the danger that those fears provide, and and people often look to uh, uh, to something beyond themselves for those answers. So people are searching for answers everywhere I go.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're in the jungle and the exactly. desert, or you're in the yeah. downtown city of Houston. You're finding the same type of people doing the same type of thing. thing. I think that's interesting. Um, I interviewed a friend of mine in a podcast prior, and he's traveled the world on a motorcycle. And just listen to him talk about his adventures um, and just how friendly everyone is and all these. He can show up on a motorcycle with a hammock and just people bring him in, and they want to make sure he's okay and show them how inviting their culture is to outsiders, all over the globe and they just want to be friends and just how nice the people are instead of maybe when you see on the news, well, you can't go to that spot because those people, that's scary over there. But I mean, you've been everywhere and I think you've experienced, you've experienced friendship everywhere and you've experienced home for a lot of people everywhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, I, um, uh, it, it, it's neat because uh, you know, my travels have allowed my life to intersect with people that, that, you would think, as you said, don't have anything to do with them, or they're scary, or they're dangerous. Uh, You know, in 2005, after an earthquake in Pakistan in the fall, uh, took tens of thousands of lives in the span of about a minute and a half. uh, I went to the epicenter of the earthquake, and this is a place where al-Qaeda was recruiting, and... uh, uh, but you know i i found i found uh you know what what uh, is referred to what Jesus referred to as a man of peace someone who has uh uh influence in the community he welcomes you he offers you his protection he invites you into his home uh and uh you know and, and, and these were guys that, that uh, you know, uh, we would think would be very scary. I mean, they, they look like bin Laden, you know, some right. of these guys. But we sat around the campfire and we talked, and, and the same things came up. Winter's coming. All of our homes have been destroyed. We're concerned about our families. What are we going to do? And this whole disaster has caused us to think more deeply about things beyond ourselves and we're searching for answers and so uh it was an amazing time and i still hear from those guys every now and then I, I get you know one of those weird numbers show up on my cell phone uh and it's one of these guys from pakistan you know and hey i just wanted to call and see how you were doing uh, are you still doing good work where are you traveling and so i mean it's just amazing kind of stuff
0: yeah and in today's time our ability to be connected um just with technology where you can actually communicate much easier. Now it's neat that you get to do that. So, you know, there's a, you're an experienced traveler. So for you, the fear of traveling um, and going to foreign places is probably not somebody who's sitting on the sidelines, maybe thinking about, well, how can I go to a, whether it's on a mission trip or even just trying to experience a little bit. Um, You know, we at Kingsland, there are a lot of mission trips going all throughout the year to various parts of the world. for folks who are, you know, still have that fear of like, I don't know if I want to go there. Even if it's mm-hmm. serving, or even if it is just for travel, yeah. how do, what do you tell those folks when they're mm-hmm. when you're talking about seeking adventure? Mm-hmm. What do you what do you tell those folks to maybe allay those fears a little bit?
1: Well, that, that that's a great question because uh, I I often remind people that there's a geography to our lives. So our lives have a shape to them, just like a country on a map, uh, and those boundaries are defined by your experiences, uh, I, if if I'm talking to a Christ follower, I remind them that those boundaries represent the farthest you've ever been and the most you've ever done for God and his purposes. Uh, for friends who are into adventure, I, you know, we often talk about those boundaries represent, you know, the most, you know, extreme adventure, let's say, that I've ever done and what have you. But the reality is that, that growth and uh, happens when we go beyond those boundaries and we push those boundaries and we put ourselves in a context we've never been in before, uh, perhaps among people we never thought we'd meet doing things we never thought we'd do. Uh, but that's where, that's where you come alive because uh, uh, all of a sudden, I can't depend on all my crutches and all of the familiar things within the boundaries and uh, it is amazing what happens in our lives where, where we're willing to, to step across that line and take a risk. But look, we live with risk everywhere we are. And risk, is all, risk and fear are the two things that keep people from stepping across those boundaries. But when are you not at risk? Uh, I remember, my, you know, people, you know, well, throughout the years, people have always said uh, to me... Uh, Uh, gosh, that's really, that's just such a dangerous place to go. You know, you could be killed or or things like that. I remember one time my dad told me, he said, look, son, he said, really don't be afraid to go to those places. You could stay at home, slip in your bathtub and break your neck. Uh, So, you know, uh, if I'm stampeded by, you know, by yaks uh, on the steps of Mongolia or whatever, uh, you know, it'll make for a better, you know, obit and eulogy, uh, you know. But, no, seriously, I mean, uh, one of my mentors used to tell me, listen, don't, don't be afraid to risk. Uh, remember, you're immortal until God's through with you. So get out there, enjoy the adventure, embrace it, and, uh, and you find when you, when you step across that line, all of the things that you thought were scary were not that scary. Uh, and a number of years ago, they discovered what they believed to be the oldest known globe in existence. It's etched on an ostrich egg, uh, two halves of an ostrich egg, and uh, it's believed to have been made by a cartographer who was a contemporary of Leonardo da Vinci. And all of the, uh, you know, and you, and it's, you, know you, you remember those old maps in our school books, you can kind of see the shapes of countries, they're a little, you know, wonky, but kind of right. look like uh, uh, what they are today. But uh, all, all, the, all the country designations are in Latin, but it's very interesting because where the cartographer had no knowledge because no one had been to certain places, he, he put the words in Latin in those places, Hic sunt draconis, which translated means, here be dragons. And so uh, you, those old-timey maps used to have depict sea dragons and sea monsters and stuff like that. That was a, a cartographical way of saying, we don't know what's out there, but whatever it is, it's really scary. It's going to be real scary, yeah. So, so I tell people, go into the habitation of dragons, move in that direction. When you get there, you're going to find out, there are no dragons here. Uh, you know, there may be some scary stuff, but certainly not of dragon proportions, you know. So, so I, love, I love moving into the habitation of dragons, but the habitation of dragons are, uh, they're always on the other side of the boundary that defines
0: the geography of my life. Right. So... That's that's a that's a great answer. Well, we talk about adventure. um, You know, you yourself, I know, just because I've heard a lot of stories, you've had a lot of adventure in your life. Um, I know you've done various things, so I'd like to hear a couple of stories on that. But before we even get into some specific stories, talk about as just for your person, your the need for you to have to have adventure and what that means for you personally, outside of you know just your job allowing you to take you all over the world, but. On a daily basis, or when you're planning your vacation, how adventure and that passion of adventure, what that means to you? Yeah, that's uh,
1: you know, I, I the only way I know how to explain that is to say that you know I really believe that that God puts something inside of us that longs for adventure, uh, uh, and th- that's not satisfied unless uh, you. Uh, embrace adventure and pursue it and seek it you know I, I want to make certain that when it comes to adventure I always have an adventure to look forward to there's always something on my calendar that I'm planning that I'm looking forward to that I'm doing research on gear or or trails or whatever uh, the minute our memories begin to outnumber our dreams we're in trouble uh, our memories just, you know, they're great, but they, they, they cause us to look back. Uh, and I love the memories I have. I mean, they're great. But I'm more excited about the dreams of the things that are still out there. Now, look, I'm 63 years old. And so uh, uh, I, don't, I, never, I don't want my age to slow me down. Uh, but, but I realize I have to adventure my age. I tell people, you know, there's a reason they don't make skinny jeans in my age, you know. You're still doing a lot of adventures, other that people happier your age don't do. Well, you know, I want to make sure, you know, I, I, I was, you know, my buddy Doyle, who uh, we do a lot of adventuring, and, and he's just a little bit younger than me, you know. I often tell Doyle, I said, look, Doyle, we can't be the first, we can't be the youngest, but, wow, we're at that point where we could be the oldest who has done this
0: particular adventure. How cool is that? Well, you know, you and I were mentioned that before we started talking because I know you've done some. I know Doyle um, as well, and so I know some of the adventures you all have done. But before we get specifically into those adventures, talk about the need of shared adventure. Yeah, for especially, me, you Especially know, as a man needing yeah. more men in their lives. Um, as the, the key on why you need that shared adventure.
1: Yeah, shared adventure is is super important. I, I lead a, uh, several years ago, I started a, a core group of men that we call ourselves the Band of Fathers. Uh, but we're just a group of dads that want to be better dads. And so we're doing life and community. We've met once a week for the last four years. And uh, I started the group based on three pillars, shared study, shared mission, shared adventure. Uh a lot of groups stop, stop at shared study. You know, they'll do a book study or whatever, and, and that's, that's the extent of it.
0: You don't get to know people by just studying. No, you, I
1: mean, room. you don't. But, but so we added shared mission. That means that we get out and find ways to serve the community. So we may find a widow who has some needs around her home and we will mobilize to go and, and address those needs. A lot of times, you know, it requires some, some uh, DIY skills of some kind. Uh, and so we get to work shoulder to shoulder, and that does something to strengthen the bonds with, you know, with other men. And then we do shared adventure uh, with that group a couple of times a year. Uh, so we've done the, you know, Guadalupe Peak. Uh, we've done McKittrick Canyon. We've done all kinds of, you know, fun stuff. We've gone canoeing. And, uh, but uh, it, I think it's important for men to do, to, to build relationships and community with other men because alone is dangerous and too many guys are doing life alone. Uh, now, when it comes to adventure, I just think it's better to default on the side of having someone with you. I've watched too many episodes of I Shouldn't Be Alive, you know, to, to, to see, you know, the, 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 the danger that people can get themselves in. Right. Now, the, I have to confess, the first time I did the uh, Guadalupe Peak – uh it was uh it was in in uh, uh i think late november december of one year uh and i remember looking at my wife and i said you know what uh i've got some time i'm gonna i'm gonna drive to the guadalupe mountains and i'm gonna i'm gonna do guadalupe peak i've researched it i've i've you know i've looked at every youtube video i've, I've studied trail maps i'm gonna go and i went by myself and and uh, I generally try not to do that. It's very rare that I'll do an outdoor adventure by myself, specifically for the reason that I don't want to be the topic of the next television program. Right. And it's a lot more fun, really, when, when you have someone with you, you know. It is.
0: And the, the memories that you make with those men, um, it's always, you know, fun to go back to that. Oh, we, yeah. Yeah. I've done Guadalupe Peak. I'm actually leaving tomorrow to go do it again with a group of guys and there's five of us and four of them them have never done it. Mm -hmm. And for those of you listening, Guadalupe Peak is the tallest mountain in Texas. And although that might not be a tall mountain to some people, for us Texans going from a base camp of 5,000 up to 8,300 feet is a nice um, hike for us. So it's a, it's a really cool place out there on the Texas New Mexico border. So if you're Mm -hmm. looking for a great place um, it's going to be a fun weekend for us. But yeah, I've, me personally, I want to have a group, and I have a group of men around me that I can do shared adventure, um, that we can spend time together. And it's just so much different when you're out on the trail talking. Oh, yeah. And when things get difficult and sharing those moments together, um, that it's just – I couldn't imagine doing that by myself Yeah. at yeah. all. And, I mean, I'm even looking forward to the you know, 12-hour drive out there, just yeah. hanging oh, out and just talking out. and yeah. having a good time. Well, some of those adventures, I've – read about some of them in your blog you have a couple of blogs um, explore texas.blog and gobeyond.blog both of those the go beyond blog is focused on the things you're doing around the church and, and writing about things and culture from the church perspective from reading it explore texas is an awesome writing of just your adventures as well mm-hmm. one of those adventures there's a couple I want to cover one I want to cover is the Texas water safari yes. that you and Doyle have done Mm-hmm. Explain to the listeners mm-hmm. what the Texas Water Safari is and, mm-hmm. and that adventure. that I think you and Dole have done it twice?
1: Uh, Doyle, Doyle and I have done it once. Oh, once.
0: The, the second
1: time uh, uh, we had all that uh, those bad floods and they postponed it twice and, and uh, okay. second date I was out of the country. Right. Uh, and I've done it, the first time I did it was with my
0: son. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. talk about that, what that event is. And it's a very grueling event.
1: It, it is. And and really, it was my son, Jonathan, who turned me on to the Texas water safari. So Jonathan started uh, started paddling on the San Marcos when he was uh, uh, living in uh, uh, New Braunfels and, uh, and then got me into paddling and we started kayaking. And then uh, he called me one day and said, hey, dad, there's this race called the Texas water safari. I'm going to do it. I said, well, what is it? He said, it's a 260-mile, nonstop, ultramarathon canoe race. I said, are you kidding me? You know, and uh, so uh, we sold our kayaks and, and bought uh, a, a used uh, Alumacraft canoe, uh, and Jonathan uh, and I did some work on it, and then he really worked hard to make it race-ready, and uh, he got out there with a buddy from Taste of Texas, and they... They completed the race. You have 100 hours or less to finish the race. There are 10 timed checkpoints along the way where you can be eliminated. So people often ask, can you sleep? Well, yeah, I mean, you can sleep. You can rest. You can take a little time to do that if you, if you bought back the time by getting to one of your checkpoints early. So, uh, you know, the first checkpoint you have to reach in so many hours. So if you, if you buy your get, in, get there an hour and a half early, well, you know you can bank that. To use when, if you want to, you know, take a nap somewhere along the way and just get out of the boat and rest. So he did it, and then he asked me if I would do it with him the uh, the second time. Jonathan has now done it five times, wow. five attempts, five finishes. So that's, that's very that's, impressive. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, really good. Uh, and uh, so uh, so we we uh, we did it. It it's the hardest physical adventure I have ever done in my life bar none it was it was brutal, it was grueling, it was hard. I was fifty five years old the first time I did the safari, and uh you're talking about two hundred and fifty thousand paddle strokes from start to finish, uh you know, starting in San Marcus and ending up in ending up in sea drift and and uh, the only way you prepare for this thing is to be on the river you know pe- people have often asked you know what do you do at the gym I mean, we can not do anything at the gym you have to be on the river you have to practice certain strokes that keep you out of trouble that that help you to canoe and steer your boat well you have to know the river what it's doing uh... and you have to really see every section of the river and uh... uh it was grueling all i can tell you was grueling and you know when we finally got to the mouth of uh, 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 the mouth of uh, the Guadalupe River, which pours out into San Antonio Bay, uh, you have you have a five-mile open uh, ocean crossing there uh, to Sea Drift. You know under under normal conditions it should take three hours or less. Uh, when Jonathan and I got there, it was late at night. We were exhausted. The wind was working against us. Uh, it took us nine hours. Uh, it was brutal.
0: That is, and an,
1: yeah, yeah. Just that section, just that five miles, was nine hours. And uh, and we found out the next morning we weren't alone. Uh, others just struggled. The wind was so so bad. And uh, of course, at night it's sc- it's scary and it's hey, like you can't
0: tell that. I mean, you no. you don't have yeah. the landmarks like you do uh-uh. in the day. Yeah. No. that might be at least during the day the frustrating part of the day is if you are looking 5 miles away and you're like I'm never getting there. At night you're just yeah. in the dark just Yeah
1: it's yeah and even, and and you know I mean you know I I turn right here I go up to this point here before I I go in this direction and what have you and then and then we go across the barge canal which to me is the scariest part because it's it's deep it's dredged and uh so you have to put a you have to have a spray skirt on your canoe, so you know imagine uh two guys in a canoe when you've got just a little opening for yourself so if, the, if if the canoe turns over, it's not like I'm just going to swim out. It's like I'm going to struggle to unsnap this thing and untangle myself and get out of here, and you know d- deep, dark places at night are scary, so you did that, and then you did it again, and then I did it again with uh with Doyle. Uh, my son wanted a faster time, and I said, "Well, <laughs> <laughs> you got to go younger." I said, "You know, the only way that's going to happen is for you to get a younger, a younger partner." So, so he did, and uh, uh, the last time he did it, the fifth, the fifth time he did it, he and his partner did it in uh, a little over 50 hours and had 10 minutes of sleep. Uh, so they pretty much just paddled nonstop. Uh, and they reached the finish line exhausted. Doyle and I were not quite that fast. Uh, we felt if we could have done it the third time, we had really uh, uh, worked really hard. The, w- the, the water was in our favor uh, because of uh, uh, what was happening at that time. The, the log jam, there's a log jam before you get to the finish line that's uh, probably three-quarters of a mile where you have to portage, and it's just brutal. Uh, but that had been opened up, and so we were excited about having a better time. But, you know, the important thing is we we uh, we got to the finish line. That's
0: amazing. Yeah. I, and I, I don't know how you prepare for that, even if you go, so, you know, somebody got on a canoe and they're like, I'm going to go canoe for three hours. Well, that's great if you finish three hours, but that's not even a drop in the bucket of doing that race. That's, no, no, no. I mean, is, it's,
1: it's, it's, a, it's a mental thing, you right. know, the uh, – you know the paddling is, you know the paddling is not hard once you once you have your strokes down and, and of course we have carbon fiber paddles that, you know weigh a little less than a pound right. uh, as opposed to those big heavy wooden paddles. You know I mean you, every advantage you can get like that makes but, a big, uh, di- makes a difference. It's a huge difference, yeah. But uh, it's more of a mental thing. You know, uh, you know, am I going to, you know, am I going to drop out if it gets hard? Well, it's going to get hard, and I mean you just have to push through and the first time i did it you know i realized that it's it's not about hitting a wall it's about hitting multiple walls and and pushing past them and realizing you have more in you than you realized you did and uh, you know randy pausch the professor who died of pancreatic cancer wrote a book called the last lecture uh which gained a lot of prominence at that time uh his last lecture to his students but one of the things pausch said about brick walls. He said, they're they're not there to keep you out. They're there to keep out the people who don't want it badly enough. So, you know, whenever we'd hit one of those portages, it was just brutal. And, you know, uh, at the log jam where you're going in and out of the water so many times and, you know, going up 15-foot muddy embankments and trying to find where the river's going to open up and all of those things... Uh, it 's all mental, I mean you have to, you have to get in that because your body somehow adjusts to the to, to to just the pain to the lack of sleep to the hallucinations at night and you adjust to all of that, but man, your mind
0: 's got to be in this thing there 's a lot of life lessons in what you just said oh yeah, on yeah. whatever that wall is because for some people that wall is not canoeing 200 miles it's right. getting up that day to yeah. face the day to face it and just knowing that if i can just face today then i can face tomorrow yeah. and you know we talk about these extreme adventures but there's really what our definition of extreme adventures is totally different from somebody else so if you're listening i mean we're the, the message there is to know that you can do more than you think you can yeah. and you're and and don't be held back by just what your mind is telling you at that moment because you can push past that. I was – one of my friends who's going on this um, hike with me to Guadalupe Peak, I was like, hey, the first mile, this thing is not fun because you just walk back and forth straight up the mountain. And 20, 30 minutes into it, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be tired because your body hasn't really warmed up. You're not used to it. I was like, it's not fun. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you reach this point, and it just changes. Yeah. The Landscape changes a little bit, and you – you just start walking, and you're like, "Oh, I'm kind of in this groove." Yeah. And like, I beat yeah. that wall. Yeah,
1: yeah. And you're right. I mean, that that first mile of Guadalupe Peak is is like just brutal, crazy. You know. Right. I remember when I showed up at the park, I met a met a guy from Germany, big old guy that was there, very athletic, who was there to hike it. And I said, "Hey, tell me about about the trail." He said, "That first mile and a half, that's the hardest thing I've ever done." And I thought, "Oh my soul." <laughs> This guy's like in really great shape. And, uh, and no, he wasn't kidding. It was hard. But you're right. Then you open up, you get smoother, you know, uh, switchback. It's
0: it's just uh, – but you push past that. You have to push past right. that. For me, when I did that, I think one of the good things is we started at dark. And so we were two-thirds mm-hmm. up the mountain before you really knew what you were climbing. Yeah. And I think there's yeah. actually – that's good because if mentally yeah. you're there in daylight and you're looking – Wait, way, way yeah. over there. That's I'm yeah. actually going to be there in yeah. two and a half, three hours. Yeah. There's no way I'll make it. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good thing about starting early. You've also an, another thing you've done. Haven't you hiked the uh, Lone Star Trail as well?
1: Yeah, the Lone Star hiking trail is the longest uh, uh, contiguous hiking trail in Texas.
0: I'm amazed how many people I've mentioned to that, and they have no idea it
1: exists. Yeah. So it's uh, if you through hike it. Uh, the thru-hike trail is 96 miles. If you add the loops, it's, uh, it's closer to 140 miles. So I had, uh, you know, I was looking for, again, I was looking for another adventure. Right. So I started researching hiking trails, and I, I stumbled across the Lone Star Hiking Trail. And like others who haven't heard of it, I mean, I hadn't heard of it. And I, and the more I read about it, I was fascinated. And uh, so I did a lot of research. Uh, I printed out 10 section maps of the trail. Uh, I emailed people who had done it. Uh, I looked for blogs, I looked for uh, YouTube videos. So I'd contact those people, say, Hey, I wanna do this trail, what can you tell me? Uh, well, you know, when you get here, uh, watch out, because there are always feral dogs there, and uh, and here it's easy to miss uh, the trailhead because you've gotta get off a little bit and go down this, this country road, and uh, uh, don't drink the water here. And so I made all these notes on my trail maps, and I did thorough, thorough research. Sure enough, everything those guys had said was true. I got to the place where the feral dogs were. Holy smoke, they were feral dogs. They were there. They they were there. They were waiting for me. Uh, I talked to park rangers. Uh, They gave me good advice. Uh, and, uh, uh, And then I found out. Really, where we could filter water, where we were going to go two days without water, so uh, that meant uh and Doyle did this hike with me along with a buddy named Bill Crenshaw, and I invited them to join me and so Doyle and I went out, and we had to cache water at certain places where we knew we would need to bridge the gap, so you know we put you know a couple of gallons and hit' them in the in the woods and How many days was that for y'all? We did it it, uh, six days. We were planning on seven, but uh, the last day it started to rain, and it never stopped. And we realized uh, we were doing about, you know, 15-plus miles a day. We wanted to just enjoy it, to camp out. That last day it rained, it didn't stop, and we realized there's no way we're going to set up camp. So we hiked uh, the last 21 miles uh, on that day, completely soaked in the rain. Uh, The covers on our backpacks, you know, got saturated, our our rain covers. And we were saturated. I mean, our shoes were completely, uh, you know, at one point one of the guys uh, fell off a a little – uh, a little bridge going across a, a bayou and fell in the water, backpacking all, and complete misery. And, uh, and then we were losing, you know, it was already cloudy. We were losing ambient light. It was getting dark, and you, got, you have to look for the blazes on the trails or you're going to get really messed up, and we, we,
0: we finished That's great. That trail is known for getting muddy quick, too. I mean, for those that don't know, it's just north of Houston up in the Piney Woods area. But it can become a muddy swamp. I actually... So I've never done hiking, backpacking before. And then uh, a year ago, my daughter was like, I want to do some actual backpacking. Mm -hmm. So for a trial run, we got found some used gear, just Mm -hmm. enough, got a tent, Mm -hmm. and hiked in like three miles on that trail. Uh, Came in from the Anderson side, hiked in three miles to... I'd read this book, and there's like there's a lake about Mm -hmm. this area, and it's a good camping spot, and we made it to that. A feral dog, I think it was a feral dog, a dog just shows up Mm -hmm. out of the middle of the forest, wanders off again. I was like, that was kind of strange. I was probably more worried about that than anything else. But uh, we had a good night, and it's different. I'd never, I've camped out at state parks, done that a lot. Mm -hmm. But camping out in the woods by yourself, just the two of you, Mm -hmm. nobody else is a different feeling. It it, 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 it was a little scary because yeah. sure, I'd never done it before. I mean,
1: it's it's not naked and afraid, but it's right. clothed and afraid, right? Uh, because you do. I mean, you hear you hear the the sounds you hear, and uh, uh, but it's it's really it's a treasure for us who live in Texas. It's it's great, right? You know, whether you section hike it or through hike it, it's it's worth exploring. It's drop dead gorgeous, beautiful uh, part of the state. Right.
0: Yeah. there. The one thing that I thought of when you were talking about that, and you've mentioned this, is preparedness. Yeah. You've talked about it in all your adventures, but I think that actually corresponds to everything that you probably do, yeah. especially when I think about your role on overseeing massive missions in terms of, when I mean massive, just all over the world, mm-hmm. sending, being responsible for people, getting out and coming back to all mm-hmm. sorts of countries, different environments. Mm-hmm. Hostile environments where, you know, maybe there's it's a war-torn area, refugee mm-hmm. area, or just going into dense jungle where there's just not mm-hmm. there. Talk about preparedness in your life just in general and how you deal with that and what flows out of being prepared mm-hmm. versus being unprepared, whether it's your hike into the canyon or sending people to South America.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's a great question because uh you know i i sort of uh in, in a sense don't breathe while my teams are out you know you you're always concerned uh uh about this and that but you know you we we do we do a really good job of of mitigating risk and uh and making sure that we're prepared for any contingency Uh, And over the years, I've had just about everything happen, you can imagine. So when a team travels with me, one of my first instructions is don't ever worry unless you see me worry. If you see me worry, this is really bad.
0: <laughs> I'll have to go on a trip with you, so I'll feel really safe then, right? So you know, because seriously,
1: I mean, I mean, when you've done this as long as I have, you know, that's that's enough time to experience everything. And I'm not just talking flight delays and, and, and stuff like that, but people getting sick, and uh, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I was out uh, on on some of the islands in the Bay of Bengal and wanted to really reach people that weren't being reached, and then things got hostile, and then I had to find a way off the island. And so I found a guy that was willing to use his little boat to get us back to the mainland, and so I paid him, and, you know, I'm sneaking my group out, you know, where, you know, at, at night, we, you know, we, we get to the boat. We're going across the Bay of Bengal, you know, back to the mainland. We get there. Uh, there's no transportation, and so, you know, I have to find a way to get us back, you know, to to where I know we can at least have some, you know, a place to stay. And, and you know, so, you know, there's all kinds of things like that that have happened that, that have really, uh, even though at the time they were challenging and a little bit concerning, uh it's just like the water safari you know you 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 push past those things and you realize it that if you keep a a a calm head a cool head uh you know you can you can find a way out of these things and and they're always you know you know in 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 my worldview, you know god always sends someone just at the moment when i need them uh you know and uh, i'm able to to get out of a fix and and to move to the next thing, and so it's like, it's like dot by dot, you know, uh, I, I I'm I'm able to get out of out of danger, or whatever, and and get to a safe place, and you know, Steve Jobs once famously said, you can only connect the dots looking back, and so after you're out of that situation, and you look back, and you look at all those little dots, that that got you out of the situation. So, so really keeping a cool head, realizing that. They're always uh you know even even if you're in hostile places, there's always some way someone that that is just seems to be there at the moment you need them, and you're able to to navigate out of this uh but I think you know people get in trouble because they panic, they worry they're anxious they make it leads them to make bad decisions uh and uh, and you can't do that you know uh I've been turned around in the outdoors where I got uh, separated from my wife on a hike cuz I wanted to do you know I wanted to do a little bouldering and uh and I got up there and I was like a you know like a little lamb just going from cave to cave and everything and all of a sudden I came out and I I al- I couldn't find any of my landmarks and uh and I, oh my soul my wife's waiting over here and I'm I'm I am lost uh you know uh or or maybe bewildered you For know sure uh, you know, someone asked Daniel Boone one time if he'd ever been lost, and he said, "No, but once I was a mite bewildered for three days." So I found myself in one of those bewildered situations. But again, keeping a cool head, okay, all right. So I know that that uh, if I go in this direction, uh, whatever I find, if I if I get off this uh, off this thing, uh, I know that I can follow it around. And so anyway, I was able to get out of the situation. Uh, just before my wife was going to contact the park rangers to say, I think my husband is lost. And I'm glad for those experiences, because if you don't have those experiences, you can get a little cocky about uh, about things. And so it, 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 it puts enough caution in you to maybe be discerning. And, uh, you know, I need to really check my landmarks, whatever they happen to be, uh, to make sure that I can I can get out of this
0: situation if I have to,
1: right. and
0: uh, so what what adventures do you have coming up in the next uh, mm-hmm. few months? What do you have? Well, uh, I'm uh, I'm headed for Nepal, uh, back to
1: uh, Nepal in March, where I'm doing this year the first of four Men of Courage summits that uh, we're doing around the world, and uh, uh, every place where we have these summits. Uh, calling men uh, to really embrace god 's vision and design for biblical manhood, we you know we believe one of the thing, things that we 're teaching is to uh, to live a life of adventure and so one of the things that i 'm working in in each location is an, is a shared adventure with these men so we 'll be biking through uh, mountain biking through the jungles of Cambodia when we 're there when we 're at everest uh, uh, i 've hiked uh, all over uh, the Himalayas there. In, in in Jiri, which is where Sir Edmund Hillary began his trek to Everest in '52, when he and Tenzing Norgay uh, summited. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to take an Everest flight uh, on this trip. Wow. And uh, so we're going to charter uh, a plane to, to fly us around Everest. Uh, so that will be our shared adventure for this. But I have, uh, you know, I'm working on my off-grid cabin also in March.
0: I just learned uh, about that from reading your blog uh, yeah, yesterday. I was reading about that. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a really cool thing you have out there, and getting back to your desert roots.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, we uh, uh, about a little over a year and a half ago, we purchased uh, some acreage in in uh, in Big Bend in Terlingua. Uh is the ghost town, uh, you know, uh, south of about about uh, eighty miles south of Alpine. It's just outside the entrance to Big Bend National Park. So where 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 we have our cabin. Uh, we're just outside the boundaries of Big Bend, but I have to drive 30 minutes to the entrance uh, from there. So that's been a lot of fun working on that. Uh, Doyle and I are going to try to do uh, uh, Bartlett and Schumard, two of the 8,000-plus-foot uh, peaks in, in the Guadalupe Mountains. There are seven named peaks in Texas over 8,000 feet. We've done, we've done four of them. We have three more to go. So we're going to try to do two more of those in
0: April. And a few of those, there's not necessarily marked trails. No, yeah. You're finding your own way.
1: Yeah, so you have Guadalupe, uh, Bush, and Hunter Peak are the only three that have a trail to them. The others you have to bushwhack. And uh, when we did El Capitan, which is a signature peak, in the Guadalupe Mountains, even though it's not the tallest, you know, Guadalupe at 8,750 is the tallest. Uh, El Capitan is a little over 8, 8,000, about 82 or something like that. But the only way you can get it to it is to bushwhack, and you have a very steep 45-degree drop, and then you go over these undulating valleys. I mean, it looks really close when you're on the Guadalupe Trail, and you look like, we can knock that out really fast. No, I mean, you're, you're in waist-deep brush, pushing through so uh, when we did that we got off the trail we went over to the rim and we followed basically the rim and uh, until we got to the summit Uh, but when you're down there in the mess and you think oh it's just it's just even there there, they're they're fault summits so you come up this rise and then you go back down and up and down and then finally you know uh, you get there it was it was Crazy, brutal. So the two we're doing in April are bushwhacking
0: uh, trails. That'll be awesome. When I summited Guadalupe Peak, it was in the clouds, Mm -hmm. and we had maybe 30 foot of visibility. Oh, man. And which could be frustrating, but just the fact that you summited, it was a very unique weather pattern to be in the middle of it. We got back down about a mile, and you actually got below the cloud level, so you could see just for oh, miles, yeah. Yeah. but then there was just this roof just sitting right above you. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping the weather's going to be better. It's looking like it's going to be better, and we'll actually get to oh, see the top yeah. and hopefully see the sunrise from yeah. the top.
1: And then, and then the view of, uh, of El Capitan from there is spectacular. I bet it is. And then you have the Salt Flats to the west, which is uh, an amazing area in itself. Uh, I, think, I think my favorite peak in the Guadalupe Mountains is actually Hunter Peak. So it's, it's on the opposite side of Guadalupe, uh, it offers a completely different view. You can see Guadalupe from there, but, uh, I mean, you, f- you almost feel like you can see your front porch from there. It's, it's spectacular.
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very cool part of Texas. That, it really is, yeah. To get out to. Yeah. Well, Pastor, I appreciate you sitting down with us today and talking about um, your passions, how you pursue your passion in your work, um, the need for shared adventure among men. I think uh, especially in a culture, sometimes men aren't given, um, they can be beaten down in ways with what culture throws at them. So the need for having strong men and to support each other and how you've incorporated that into your personal life and just adventure exploring but uh, I really appreciate your time today. Thank well, you thank you.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And
0: we might have to get you and Doyle on here to get a uh, two-party perspective on some of these crazy adventures in the future.
1: That would be fun. We've so. had some, some, some spooky, scary, but a lot of fun stuff together. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you very much today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sign Out Podcast. Make sure you check out our website at SignOutCo. Com. We have original design hats and T-shirts and stickers and things like that. A lot of really cool stuff. You should check it out. Also, make sure you check out Omar's blog. It's gobeyond.blog. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps us out. And lastly, the music in today's episode was made by me, Caleb J. Murphy. If you'd like to hear more, check out calebjmurphy.com. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.